trying to drink less alcohol, but need some extra motivation. Maybe you've tried moderation, but you keep waking up disappointed and hungover. Are you curious about sober life? Or maybe you're like us, have been alcohol free for a while and are in it for the long haul. Well, you're in the right place. I'm Meg. And I'm Bella. And our Not Drinking Today podcast is an invaluable resource to keep you motivated and on track today and beyond. We are This Naked Mind certified coaches who live in Sydney and love our alcohol-free life. And last but not least, if you enjoy the content of our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe and share it. It really is integral to getting the podcast out to those that might need it. So grab a cuppa and let's get started. Today, I'd like to welcome Ruth Limkin onto the show. Ruth is the founder of the Banyans Healthcare, which provides premium treatment for mental health and addiction. Ruth is also Chief Development Officer of Sana Health Group. And together, these two groups provide a network of leading treatment centres, which include the Banyan Healthcare, situated in Queensland, Byron Private Treatment Centre, situated obviously in Byron, which I have to say I spent four weeks at just before COVID, so 2020, and the Palladium Private, which is also located in Queensland. Welcome, Ruth, to the podcast. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Ruth, would you mind providing, I guess, an overview of the work that you do and Mm. why you got into this line of work? Yeah, so thank you. It's um, I it's been nearly eight years since I started the Banyans, um, and it's been a just an incredible journey. Um, you know, the thing that gets me out of bed every morning is hearing the story of people's lives changed, and it's not just them um, that we're able to help support. It's their family, it's their businesses, it's the community. So. You know, we know that out of all the people that we help at Banyans or Palladium or Byron, we're actually helping an even bigger number of people. So um, I've always been really passionate about helping people and helping people create a better tomorrow for themselves. Uh, I don't have a health background in a sense, um, but I got a a phone call from someone who really wanted to see something like the Banyans started up and they had the property and they're like, could you come and help us get it started? Um, so I said no the first couple of times because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. <laughs> but the more that I talked to them, I was like, this is actually a really great thing. Um, and so I found the team who knew how to run the program and helped support them to design it. Um, and so, you know, really built the Banyans. And now I love the fact that with Sana, we've got this network and I can help support Palladium and Byron. And, you know, as we continue to grow, find amazing treatment centres who are providing help and just support them to do their best work. Oh, thank you, Ruth. And what sets your your treatment centres apart and what kind of services do they provide mm-hmm. people who, I guess, are, are really looking for something quite different they're needing a change yes so first of all um you know a lot of people are only aware of the hospital system and that more traditional hospital system that can be quite clinical um and you know let's face it a lot of hospitals aren't really lovely places to stay Mm. and so people can get really put off by that um 
And, you know, there's often just a few parts of the human condition that gets treated in the hospital program. So when people are looking for something different, you know, one of the first things with all of the network of treatment centres that we have, it's this very holistic sort of wraparound treatment program. They're all also in really beautiful parts of the world. Yes. Um, you know, Byron Bay, Sunshine Coast, Hinterland, sort of overlooking Moreton Bay. It's just, and actually that makes a difference. Like we really believe that environment makes a difference and there's all the research that shows the power of nature and being immersed in nature. So, you know, that's really important. One of the other things, and this is a little bit um, unnerving, I think, is that in Australia, at least, the private rehab um, treatment landscape is actually unregulated. And so, yes, I know. Um, So one of the things that we're really passionate about and one of the reasons that SANA is really working to support private treatment centres is getting the highest level of accreditation so we can make sure there's clinical best practice, that we can make sure that when people are coming and getting treatment that they're safe, but more than safe, that they start to flourish and thrive. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, you've just brought me back to uh, the desperate position that I was in. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I was uh, in hospital actually and Mm -hmm. was being treated there for, you know, drinking too much. And this wonderful lady who was a doctor, sorry, who was in emergency just Mm -hmm. said, look, I'm not going to release you. I'm going to actually put you on the ward. You've got uh, a week there to sort yourself out. Please go out to yourself to find a rehab play, wow. uh, to, um, you know, to yourself and your family. And I mm. ultimately went to Byron Private because of the landscape, the proximity to the beach, the nurturing, yep. nourishing uh, yep. services that meals, it provided. Yes, and yeah, the yeah, meals. And services, yeah. And, yeah. and that it, it was counselling but it was also holistic and it was gentle. Yes, uh, yes. But it was very seriously focused on, uh, getting you into a position where you could get back into society and have made some changes. And it was exactly mm. that, Ruth. It really was. Yeah. So yeah. We, yeah. we were able to go to the gym. We were able to yeah. have a moment of swimming in the ocean every morning. Yeah. So we felt yeah. human and normal. We yes. were locked up. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. mm-hmm. the food was out of this world. It was really lovely. Yeah. And it was just a very nourishing, warm, nurturing environment. And, yeah. and it worked. Ruth, like it, yeah. it honestly worked. Yeah. Like I certainly had a few okay. ups and downs after, yeah. but yeah. it set me on the path of knowing that I had the power to change and I wasn't uh, a problem and that I could fix myself. So, yeah, I, oh, you know, as someone so who's been there. Let me, yeah. um, let me yeah. though really commend you because one of the things I, I mean, I'm so inspired by our guests. Um, so at the Banyans, we call them guests, we call them <laughs> clients at different places. But I just like engaging in therapy is really hard work. Like it's hard work, first of all, to put your hand up and say, hey, maybe my life could be better and maybe I need some help. So that's really hard. And yes. then navigating the complex landscape because it's so complex and yeah. trying to find out where to go. And then um, thirdly, just doing the hard work of therapy. Like that's hard work because you're confronting your pain. You um, are. And 
we've taken away your pain relief, you know, the thing you used to use to numb that pain. So in some ways we're really awful. Uh, but honestly, I just, everyone needs a medal. Um, you know, it's, I'm so inspired every day by the people who we get to serve and support. Well, and that leads on to, I guess, another question. When might a person need a residential facility. When might that yeah. you've, you've hit that point that uh, yeah. outpatient or stay at home every yeah. weekly counselling is just not serving you anymore, and you need something mm, more? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Sometimes we say it's never too late to get mm. help, um, but we also say it's never too early to get help. So, look, ideally, in one sense, you reach out for help the moment that you think, actually, I don't think. I don't think this is the way life was meant to be. Um, in terms of um, residential, like there's, we say every person is different. Their life is different. Their health is different. Um, so for some people, they don't need residential. They could do either, you know, go and see outpatient or we've got a intensive day program that we've designed at the Banyans, which we can talk a bit about later. Residential is really great for people who need to step out of their life and who have the time to do that because not everyone can do that. Oh, that's right. Um, but, you know, we also say and, you know, we have some rest and refresh programs at the Banyans and they were actually developed because I was talking to someone on the phone and he said to me, the wheels haven't fallen off but they're a bit wobbly. And oh. he's like, I don't need everything. He's like, do you have, you know, something that's got really good psychology good exercise, good food and some sleep. And I was like, let me talk to our clinical director. So I spoke to our clinical director and we designed a program that suited that kind of situation. And he came and did a week with that and it just really helped recalibrate him. So, you yeah. know, there's different levels of the kinds of treatment. So whether it's, you know, chronic stress, you know, heading towards burnout, just a bit of a reset, or whether it's something that's more intensive for four weeks or so. You know, there's a lot of um, opportunities for people to improve their health. Oh, fantastic. Rest and reset. Could I feel like I know, going? I feel like everyone needs that. I want a week at the yeah. Bunyans for that. I don't know a mum out there in her mid-40s that exactly. doesn't need that. <laughs> Sounds so good. A, lo a lot of people, uh, my clients included or listeners are uh, curious about what what's an average day in the life of somebody that is at a residential care yeah. facility and I know it probably differs between the three yeah. but yeah what, yeah what would it look like on the whole yeah that's a good question so um the way that we deliver programs do differ a little bit between the three. So the Banyans is a one-on-one -on -one therapy, whereas Byron ah, and Palladium have group therapy group. Um, and some individual ones. Um, but the general thing is, you know, the the day would look like some kind of physical exercise or movement, you know, whether it's going to the beach and swimming there or with an exercise physiologist in the gym or even just walking around the beautiful grounds. Mm. Um, there's always beautiful food, so breakfast, lunch and dinner. And, um, you know, the chefs at all of the, I've eaten at all of the treatment centres and the food's great at all of them. Yep. <laughs> uh, and that in and of itself is really, I mean, it's wonderful to have someone cook for you. But it's food that nourishes your body. Oh, which is really yeah. Important. If, if yeah. you've been, yeah. It, yeah. Problematic drinking for decades, your body had, just hasn't yeah. digested anything. So you kind of, yeah. yeah, I can vouch you, you suddenly get 
ridiculously hungry by week two. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're just lucky you've got this beautiful nourishing food. It does help and aid in your recovery mm. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So then there'll be um, either a one-on-one session with your psychologist or if you're at the Banyans or a group therapy session at Byron or Palladium. Then there's often some individual things that happen for you, whether it is a check-in with one of the doctors or the nurses. Um, you know, there's often some homework that you've got to do. So yep. often reading um, some homework of um, just looking at yourself and doing some journaling. Um, so there's lots of different things and each program's a little bit different. And that's because different people resonate with different things and mm. um Different people have different barriers to accessing care. So that's why we really engage in a conversation with people and help them navigate that. Oh, it just sounds um, like you're able to tailor it to each individual. Yeah. And people yeah. are going to be turning up in different stages also of their yeah. uh, their their addiction, I guess. Um, yeah, exactly. Things will resonate. Yeah, exactly. What, what are you seeing in terms of... Uh, trends or patterns in uh, people that are showing up needing your care? And I'm just Mm -hmm. sort of thinking about uh, societal pressures or the nature of their addiction or uh, even ages and genders. Mm. So um, I just saw some statistics from the Banyans the other day. So this year we've seen a 684% increase in inquiries for chronic stress and burnout. Um, My thesis there, um, because the Banyans works with a lot of professionals, so managers, leaders, and I suspect that during COVID everyone was kind of just focused on getting themselves, their company, their business through, Mm. looking after their staff, homeschooling, um, and almost didn't give themselves permission to think about how they felt because they just had to keep going, and I get that. And then in the same way that sometimes when you go on holidays, that's when you get sick, when COVID started to become not a crisis, suddenly people realised, actually, I've got this stress that has been in my body for two years. I have been drinking more to try and manage that. Um, You know, whatever, it's starting to show itself. Um, So, you know, we're seeing people also, you know, unfortunately there's people who had been in recovery and then during lockdowns, Mm. um, you know, alcohol can get delivered to their house with an app immediately. They're by themselves. They're stressed. so they might have found themselves in a relapse situation. Look, relapse can be a part of the recovery journey. That's um, right. We just really encourage people just look, make the relapse really short and the period in between relapses as long <laughs> as possible. So, you know, um, we're also seeing um, actually we're seeing a lot more young people with things like eating disorders and really serious mental health concerns, um, oh. huge increases in that. Um, but we're, it's right across the age demographic, you know. It's it's about 50% male, 50% female in our treatment centres um, and it's all ages. And I imagine alcohol is a large proportion of people that yeah. come. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So alcohol um, at the Banyans, a lot of alcohol and cocaine that happen together. Yes. Um, and also medication. Gosh. Mm. Uh And do you have any thoughts just in terms of, uh, you know, where Australia sits compared to, I guess, other sorts of countries in 
the stats for people needing this sort of care and treatment? Are mm. we are we sort of going um, head to head well, with others? Um, or are, Look, that's a great question and I'll be really honest and say I'm not 100% sure about yeah. international comparative like at, with detail, but I know we're really high. But really concerningly, there's an increase of alcohol-related deaths happening. You know, we're trending yeah. the wrong way in Australia over the last 10 years. It's not reducing, it's increasing. It's increasing in women. Mm. Um, and we really are not grappling with this as a country in terms of all the different things that contribute to this. You know, I talked before about the, um, you know, you can get alcohol delivered in 30 minutes. It was considered, alcohol and bottle shops were considered an essential service during COVID. I mean, it's just outrageous. People couldn't send their kids to school to get an education, but you could get endless alcohol delivered. So. You know, we really haven't grappled with this as a nation um, sort of reg- in terms of our regulatory, but also, um, you know, we know as a community alcohol is we live in an alcohol-soaked community and we do business in alcohol-soaked networking. Yeah, it's connected with absolutely everything we do, isn't it? Uh, it absolutely is. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the increase uh, in risky drinking of women. Uh, that mm, definitely yeah. went up a lot during COVID, and Absolutely. Uh, and it's certainly yeah it's showing up in a lot of the clients that I see as well. Yeah. Uh, so, do you see? Can I just ask yes, you a question? Because yes. um, one of the things we've seen is that um, people who so sometimes the work from home situation is actually exacerbating this because you know I'm thinking about someone who. Um, They worked from home. They would open their first bottle of wine when she opened her laptop at 9 o'clock in the morning. No one can see it. When you're on a Zoom call, it might look like coffee. Um, And she was drinking several bottles of wine a day. Um, And so I'm curious as to whether or not you're hearing anything about that. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of hidden and alone drinking that is occurring by women. And, oh, is it connected with working from home? Maybe. But it's certainly uh, alcohol that uh, is consumed alone, even after going out to a lunch or after uh, yeah, a function. Yes, so they come home yeah, and there's sort of yeah. that self-soothing or reward that's happening yes, with at home alone. Yeah. And so, certainly yeah. hidden drinking. So lots of wine bottles hidden in the pantry or glasses hidden around the yeah. house, uh, yes. sneaking extra wine behind their partner's backs and certainly had Hiding yeah. the bottles in the bins um, yes. afterwards. Yeah. So a lot of shame and blame. Mm. And mm. I think what happens then it's snowballing into the um, into drinking just to try and feel normal. So I think mm. certainly what that's what yes. a nine o'clock drinker would be doing is just to yeah. in the morning yes. to drink to try and feel normal to get through yeah. the meeting throughout yeah, the day. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's so frightening. And I can relate to lots yeah. of those elements as well. It can just mm-hmm. get away from you, and mm, yeah, and you, absolutely. And you, you really don't know where to turn or where to look. Um, yeah, but I think having these podcasts and these conversations, absolutely, yeah, being able to search and find all the useful information I know on your websites as well mm. is is great. So you mentioned before, Ruth, that at Banyans mm. there is there are several options there for people. So yes. Because yeah. I know that it is it is almost a privilege for people to be able to take the mm. time 
and yes, to pay yeah. the money that it often takes to yeah. go to these these places which so many mm. of us need but can't do but there are different mm. sorts of options out there are there Ruth yeah yep so um when I started the Banyans, I was really passionate about reducing barriers to accessing care. Yes. And so, you know, the one-on-one therapy model is particularly for people who wouldn't go and get treatment if they had to engage in a group therapy program. But I came across another barrier to accessing care when I was talking to someone on the phone. She'd rung up. She was um, early 40s, um, two young children. Her and her husband were both working professionals. And she said to me, she's like, I'm drinking two bottles of wine when I get home from work at night. No one at work would know. I'm really good at hiding it. Yeah. But she's like, this can't keep going. And so I talked to her about the residential treatment options. And she came back to me the next day. She's like, I just can't make that work with my schedule. Um, and she's like, where is there for someone like me? And she tried a few different things in the public health system and it just didn't fit her and it was a real barrier for her. And at the time, I said, look, I'm I'm really sorry. I actually don't have anywhere to point you for something like what you're looking for. But I saved the email onto my desktop uh, and I was like, one day we're going to have something for people like her. And so about two years ago now, um, we opened our intensive day program in Bowen Hills and it's one day a week for eight weeks. You still do all one-on-one therapy. It's not group therapy. You see a psychiatrist, psychologist, exercise physiologist, clinical nutritionist. You do yoga. You do mindfulness. We feed you beautiful food. Um, and it's, it's incredible. It's, and there's, I actually emailed her, um, but it was a few years after. I was like, I just wanted you to know that your feedback made a difference because the very first person to sign up for that program two years ago, was a woman just like her and so um yeah it's been wonderful to see people being able to access care who maybe wouldn't have been able to previously how fantastic so it's one day out of their lives yeah uh a week each week for yeah. eight weeks yeah that's so, and actually, really uh, I, isn't it brilliant yeah because <laughs> it's not just an hour a week it's actually a full yeah. day which is manageable yeah uh yeah. of intense work yes yeah and you know you can see psychiatrists as soon as you start your program which sometimes can take six 12 months yeah um so we actually had someone come along and his boss knew what was going on for him um he was drinking way too much um couldn't take the time out because of his professional situation to do residential but his boss said to him why don't you go and do this program um Everyone else in the workplace, as far as they're aware, it's your work from home day. I know that you're getting support, but I, you, you're really important to the company and I want to support you to do this. Fantastic. And so, again, if we can just reduce barriers, we can support people, we can help them get the care that they need in the way that they want, then, you know, I'm a happy woman. <laughs> oh, I love it because it really takes um, – can take a lot to change habits, to have a mindset shift. Yeah. And to find other ways of self-care. And that's yes. probably what I think is the trap that many women fall into and, and men, that drinking mm. is mm. their only form of unwinding at the end of the day. Yes. And then it, yes. the tolerance builds up and you need more and more and more. And you're copying exactly. what your parents did. You're copying decades yeah. of habits. So to have a forced yeah. circuit breaker like that is fantastic. Yes. 
Yeah. Ruth, what, uh, at the end of a, a program, in what sort of um, state are you wanting to sort of send people back out and integrate into their everyday lives so that they're not kind of picking mm-hmm. up all of those bad habits again? <laughs> yes. So, um, look, one of the things with our residential programs is that there's continuing um, aftercare when yes. people leave the residence. Um, and I think that's important just to help people recalibrate and check back in. So um, we do, uh, um, it's called different things at the different yes. treatment centres, but for instance, at the Banyans, it's a return to life plan. Huh. So they're working with their psychologists to go through and say, okay, so, you know, these are some of the things I'm going to start doing. These are some of the things I'm going to stop doing. Here's some of the conversations I might need to have, but they can often start before, like while someone's still in residential treatment. Um, You know, I remember one time our amazing yoga therapist, she helped someone from Melbourne find the kind of yoga that she really wanted to do near where she lived so that she could go and embed that into her life because that was something that was really helping her. So you're wanting to give people some tools. You're wanting to give people, I guess, um, understanding of themselves. Yes. Um, and strategies for what to do in that situation. Yeah, so it's not just a hold, you know, rip the Band-Aid off and suddenly That's right. yeah. I'm fixed, I'm fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, um, you've just also reminded me that at Byron there was a integral part of the program was this day where you brought in your significant people from your lives into the program. Yeah. I, of course, yes. opted out of this because I was just so full of shame and so uptight and just yeah, had made it a yeah. very sort of uh, clear decision in my own mind that I was just going to be fine and mm. I was going to be able to go out and start to moderate again and just be completely fine. Yeah. And, of course, if you if you think like I do, then you can kind of hide everything mm. from your family and just, yes. you know, you, it doesn't set you up for. Yeah a success as much as it could be if you bring everybody in. But what's what's the thinking behind that of of Mm, bringing your partners, sometimes it's your kids even, who have witnessed a lot of what you had been doing previously. Um, Yeah. yeah, How much is it a part of all your programs and and what's the underlying reason there for doing that? Yeah, there's different levels of family connection in all of the different programs and they work differently. Sometimes, for instance, um, the therapist can work with you to write a letter to your parents, your significant other, Uh, your kids. Sometimes it can get sent while you're actually in treatment. They can reply to the psychologist. You know, you can process that together. Um, You know, we often, you know, there's that, that phrase that addiction is the disease of isolation. And yes. so connection is actually really important and breaking the shame is really important. So, um, you know, we always say to family members as well, look, you need to go and get your own support um, because it can be difficult sometimes when you've watched a loved one journey through addiction. And, you know, look, we all have our own stuff. Yeah. I think everyone should see a psychologist on some kind of regular basis, <laughs> yes. even if it's only every six months, you know, <laughs> um, because life is hard and we are broken people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, life is um, lifey. 
so, life is very lively. Um, I love that. I'm going to take that one and use it. Um, but I'll, I'll always give you the credit. Um, so I think, you know, helping also addiction creates or exists as part of systems. So relationship systems, behavior systems. So if we can help recalibrate those systems, you actually help everyone get healthier. Yeah. Yeah. And it also helps to make some changes in your home life, which may have been a contributing factor to you leaning into this problematic behavior in the first place. Uh, But that, gosh, that is hard. That is really hard because they're the, I think we mentioned some of the barriers, which time and finance, Mm. but it is also shame. Mm. So I think uh, a large part of well, a large part of the discussion of many of the uh, residents mm-hmm. in the in the rehab that I was at was, well, mm-hmm. how are we going to go back into our communities? And mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I was I was from a very sort of tight knit lower North Shore community, yeah, and yeah. basically not well live with that stigma of the woman that mm-hmm. went off to mm-hmm. rehab for four yeah. weeks. Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really hard to get over that, isn't it? Yeah. It is, and so in your own I'm mind, really in your own passionate. mind, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm really passionate about normalizing the conversation in yes. Australia. So we do um, workplace education. I go and speak at schools sometimes, and you talk about well-being, but you sometimes weave things like addiction and coping behaviors into that. Um, and I think the more that we can just normalize addiction and mental health, they're just health conditions that people yes. need treatment for. And in the same way, if someone breaks their leg, they go and get treatment for that. And we're, like, we're not like, oh, that's that person who had to go and get treatment for their broken leg. It's just, it's just a health condition like anything else. It's actually a entirely logical response to some kind of pain. Uh, and so the more that we can normalize that, um, I think the more it empowers people to get help, but then to um, go back and live an empowered life. Yeah, I would agree entirely. And from my own experience, it was largely in my own mind, the yeah. the shame and the anxiety. And because once you yeah. are back, people care and people want mm. to help and they want to support. Yeah. And yeah. then they start talking about their own their Absolutely. own issues and how <laughs> right. can I help? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I love that you're out there talking to schools. So because it is something that can really you can make some significant changes in the way that yeah. uh, our population supports and deals yeah. with these issues. Yeah. So not only are you part of these yeah. amazing leading treatment centres, but mm-hmm. um, you're out doing education and are you yeah. probably work in changing policy, I imagine. Yeah, working on that one at the moment. So that's probably going to be a longer term um, yeah. project. But, you know, absolutely, I do think there needs to be some kind of regulation or accreditation for private treatment centres. Um, I'd love to see private health rebates absolutely. to be paid to community-based treatment centres, you know, it's my pipe dream, but one day I'll make it happen. Um, Yeah. Well, I'll try to make it happen anyway. Um, So, yeah, lots of um, really um, workplace education. So soon we'll be launching some Corporate Health Connect programs where we can do on-demand webinars for companies to equip their workplaces. The more that we can talk about it, the more that we encourage people to get help early because the quicker people get help, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, the quicker people get help, the 
um, the less the intensive uh, intensity of treatment needs to be. Absolutely. Yes. You need to know the red flags and yeah. when to know, well, when to know to get help, but also yeah. what that slippery slope looks like if you let it go another yeah. month, because yeah. suddenly you can be one yeah. of those people popping the wine open yeah. ridiculously yeah. early. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I really love the work that you just mentioned that you're doing, particularly in workplaces, mm. Mm. Uh, because I think uh, there is, well, the workplace is a large uh, source of the stress involved. Yeah, it's also exactly. a large source of the providing of alcohol uh, yes. in the socialisation. <laughs> so it sort of provides the stress that leads to the alcohol that yeah. uh, leads to that cycle. Uh, yeah. So what, what what would you like corporations to take on yeah, board so, to try look, and support their professionals? For a start. In the I'd perfect love, world. Um, for, yeah, in the perfect world, um, in business networking, that we have some alcohol-free options for people that aren't soft drink or just soda water. <laughs> oh, yes. So there's, um, there's some amazing um, sober um and alcohol-free options, you know, Australian businesses that are doing great job, Etch Sparkling, Non, like honestly, it's just. Um, so we're doing some um, private business leaders dinners around the country over the next little while and I'm working with the restaurants to say, well, we need some alcohol-free options, please, that aren't just soft drinks, you know. Fantastic. Lots and lots of sugar is bad. So, um, and it's amazing how hard sometimes that is to get. So I ended up, I was like, well, here's a supplier who'd be really great. I'm happy to pay if you order some of those bottles. So, (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, yeah, I'll just keep waving the flag. Um, But, um, you know, also certainly early next year we'll be launching the Corporate Health Connect because I can't be in every workplace in Australia, but an on-demand webinar could be. So it's a way to, again, just encourage that conversation and give people tips and tools and strategies and make it a part. So, you know, we're talking about um, tips to manage stress. You know, Jenny from Byron Private's talking about burnout and the imposter syndrome. So if we can just really get great things in there, um, it gives people the information and platform they need to be able to make positive changes. I think there is a slow shift out there. I think it's yeah, it's yeah. Tri- it's trickling down. I've I've trickling done, down. It, yeah. it, I've been t- uh, I've done talks. Oh, almost oh, four law firms this year Great. about grey area drinking and yeah. how to cut back. Yeah. And the bar association, I did a talk at as well yeah. about stress, the connection yeah. between stress and alcohol, and that vicious yes. cycle. Yeah. Um, so. The more the merrier. Take if we take it from all angles. I'd love to see just more alcohol-free uh, supported months throughout the year. Yes, in, yeah, in firms yeah. and, and corporate culture yeah. as well. Yes, yeah, exactly. Wouldn't that yeah. be amazing? Oh, it'd be so good. Where it doesn't yeah. just have to be dry July and sober October, yeah, but yeah. if it's during yeah. those periods as well, where it's it's a, it's a very much a firm-wide, fo- yeah, top-down focused. Yeah almost yeah. daily daily checking where you're kind of yeah. linking it up with health gains, mental clarity, yeah. productivity, yeah. the whole lot. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, oh, 
Look, Ruth, I just think all the the work that you were doing across the board, education, in workplaces, but also providing these amazing uh, residential facilities for people mm-hmm. that really just need to get away and yeah. and to provide it in a way that doesn't feel like you are really missing out or it's a shameful yeah. experience or yeah. that it's like a jail term. It's actually yes. it, it, it's a wellness related yeah. retreat. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's that well-being mm. framework that recovery happens in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not just a medical framework. It's not just a psychological framework. It's, you know, we talk about all the aspects of well-being and that, you know, one of the things we say um, with Sana is we're, we're probably actually Australia's only um, full service organization because we do you know the education the day programs and some high performance research right through to inpatient you know residential treatment centers so we get to see what works and we can flow that back down to the education Ah. so in some ways I'm kind of hoping that we do ourselves out of business because we yes. educated the entire nation <laughs> as to how to be proactive about their health. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, gosh, if you are talking, say, to a very stressed and burnt out man or woman who might be listening, yeah. who yeah. is well, who is drinking way too much alcohol and they know it um, yeah. and have, have made, might have tried, you know, a lot of um, podcasts, they've read books, the quit lit, they've tried moderation, they might might have seen a counsellor yeah. here and there, but it's they're just mm. not um, being able to kick this problematic uh, mm. behaviour. What would you say they should consider doing? So I'd say just start with the conversation. So, um, you know, the first thing is a conversation with someone, whether it's a friend or whether you call the Banyans or you call Byron or you call Palladium, because whoever you call will make sure that if we're not right, we'll refer you to someone else and we'll help you navigate the options. But just start with a conversation because until you have that conversation, you can't get to that point of health and well-being. And um, I don't think I've ever actually met anyone who's regretted making positive health choices. Um, It might be hard, but the payoff is huge. Yeah. yeah. And the sooner that you do it, the less the impact of treatment can be. Yeah, that is absolutely fabulous. And I I love that because it is the conversation that Mm. uh, you just need to have with somebody to feel like you're not alone. uh, That's right. You're not the only person in the world that might be drinking too much alcohol. And yeah. and often it is the no one no one actually talks about it. There is such yeah. such great fear around yes. putting your hand up to say this is what I'm doing. How do I stop? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'd probably also say to that person, a lot of other people are in the same boat as you. So yeah. you know, um, don't feel like you're alone. Yeah, that is fabulous. Mm-hmm. Ruth, where would be the best place for listeners to be able to learn more about the services that your treatment centres provide? Yeah, so look, there's sanahealthgroup.com that'll feed you through to all of the different programs. Um, If they're on LinkedIn, jump on and add me and just send me a direct message if the thought of actually contacting a treatment centre is too scary. I'm really, really happy to have a chat to anyone and help them navigate the options. I'm on Instagram as well. They can DM me on Instagram 
Um, I just, I'm really passionate about um, reducing barriers. And if the thought of contacting an organization is scary, just contact Ruth. Yeah, I love that. Thank you once again, Ruth. My pleasure. Thank you. If you don't already know, in addition to our podcasting work, we are each sobriety coaches with our own separate businesses, helping people to drink less. If you or a loved one want to take a break from alcohol, we invite you to have a look at our individual websites. Meg's is glassfulfilled.com.au and Bella's is isabellaferguson.com.au. So take the next step that feels right for you.